0: Welcome to sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Stars daily sports podcast. It's Wednesday, October 26th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. We're in the second half of the college football season, and postseason possibilities remain for Kansas State, Missouri, and Kansas, well, to different degrees. K-State's looking to finish first or second in the Big 12 to reach the league title game. Bowl eligibility, that's six victories, is the objective for Missouri and Kansas. Saturday, Kansas State plays host to Oklahoma State in a Big 12 showdown, and Missouri visits South Carolina. Kansas is off this weekend. On today's show, we talk with the Beat Riders. First up is Jeremiah Holloway. He's part of the South Carolina coverage team for the state in Columbia, and we break down Tigers-Gamecocks. Next up, Kelis Robinette of the Wichita Eagle and Kansas City Star, and we look at the Wildcats in the Big 12 race. Finally, Gary Bedore joins us to talk about Kansas and how the open week comes at a good time for a team battling injuries. Okay, let's get started. Jeremiah Holloway is part of the USC Gamecocks coverage team. He joins us today on Sports BKC. Jeremiah,
1: how you doing? I'm doing well, Blair. Thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, great to have you here. Um, they call it the, what do they call it, the Mayor's Cup, uh, Missouri yeah. versus South Carolina because mm-hmm. both. Uh, universities are in a Columbia. Um, I, you know, it seems to me that this year's game might have a little more meaning to the Gamecocks just because of the four game winning streak that they're on. It got into the top 25 for the first time in a few years. I guess the the excitement level uh, for South Carolina football has to be pretty high right now. It's absolutely high.
1: Um, right now they're sitting at five and two. This is the first time that they've made the top 25 uh, since week two of 2018. Um, And so this year, and Shane Beamer actually talked about it after the game, it's the first time they ever beat Texas A&M, and they did it at home. Um, They beat Kentucky on the road for the first time uh, in about 10 years, two weeks before that. So this year, there's a lot of um, excitement, of course, you know, coming off of that bowl win. Last year, um, they actually had not been able, after the first four games of the season, they were unable to win back-to-back games. They didn't lose any games back-to-back after that, but um, it was very win-loss-win-loss. Win-loss. This season, they've been able to get off to a uh, 5-2 start coming off of that four-game winning streak, and like you said, getting into the top 25. So, um, I think this team is really um, surging right now. They have obviously this week, Missouri is their homecoming game before they go back on the road to face Vandy. So um, if they go back on the road at six and two, I think a lot of Gamecock fans will be uh, even more happy than they currently are.
0: Oh, heck yeah. Uh, get bowl eligible with uh, either mm-hmm. Missouri or Vanderbilt the week after that. So um, let's let's talk about uh, Shane Beamer for, for a moment. Uh, you know, he had not been a head coach before mm-hmm. coming to South Carolina. I don't know what What the reaction was from South Carolina fans when he was hired, uh, but they certainly have to be pretty high on him now and did I see this right that uh, fans were chanting Beamer ball at the at the end of the toward the end of the uh, A&M game.
1: They were, they were, they were very excited about it. Yeah, I think Shane Beamer um, has really won over a good amount of the fans here, especially, uh, you know, being ranked again. Now, he had spent time in South Carolina um, as an assistant, um, and then he bounced around a little bit. Um, He is actually at Georgia at one point, and he was at Virginia Tech at another point, and so um, he actually came from Georgia to South Carolina to be the head coach. Um, he was actually making the parallel after they beat Kentucky um, two years before that, or two seasons ago, really, um, when the team was playing at Kentucky, that was that night Shane Beamer was hired as a head coach. And then he went in his first game at Lexington uh, and had won that game. So I think a lot of people are excited about him. I think he has, I think he has a very compelling personality. Um, you might've saw the, uh, the SEC media day, Video when he was dancing the Soldier Boy and things like that, um, and so you know I think people really engage with his uh, personality uh, and the fact that there has been success on the field. Um, you know you beat. North Carolina in a in a Mayo bowl game. And then you come out this year, you get the Gamecocks in the top 25. So I think the South Carolina fans are certainly excited uh, about Shane Beamer because he does have that engaging personality. And there have been wins on the field. Um, Of course, you know, Shane Beamer beating or leading a team that beat Texas A&M for the first time. Um, that's something that, you know, several coaches have attempted to do with South Carolina since the rivalry began, or since the series began in 2014. So him being the first one to do that and giving them a win against now every SEC opponent, um, you know, that's certainly something that I think Game Pop fans can gravitate toward.
0: Yeah, yeah. They're the, if if people don't know, South Carolina and Texas A&M are the permanent crossover, uh, rivalry, like, like Missouri has with Arkansas, you know, mm-hmm. some of those are natural fits like Tennessee, Alabama, and some are not like South Carolina, Texas A&M. So mm-hmm. w- when you say beating A&M for the first time, that that's that's significant because they play every year. Um, and it's uh, uh, one of those little SEC forced rivalries, I guess, uh, South Carolina, Texas a and I got to tell you, I've, I've known Shane Beamer since he was a boy wow. because I covered Virginia Tech uh, back in the 1980s. When Frank Beamer was the head coach there, and Shane, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Shane is Frank's son, and um, mm-hmm. I can remember seeing a little little Shane Beamer on the field during practices, and um, and I had a cool moment a few years ago. Shane was also on the staff at Oklahoma, and I was covering mm-hmm. a game over at Kansas, Oklahoma and KU, and after the game. Uh, we had a great catch up, uh, just uh, talking about old times, covering the, you know, uh, his covering his Virginia Tech days, and uh, mm-hmm. it was fun to catch up with Shane. So we're all neutral reporters and everything, but deep down, I kind of pull for Shane Beamer because I've just known the family for for so long. It's pretty neat. Hey, um, so wh- what's going on? Why are they playing so well here lately? Um, Spencer Rattler, of course people in our part of the country know him is it from his Oklahoma career, but what's um, what, what are they, what are they doing
1: well? Yeah, for sure. Oh, and real quick. I did actually make an error earlier. I said he came from Georgia to South Carolina. He actually came from Oklahoma. So I'm glad right. I pointed that out. Yeah. Um, the last two wins specifically um, against SEC opponents, they've gotten out to very explosive starts. So against uh, Kentucky, You had the fumble recovery. I believe was the first play of the game. It was Kentucky's first possession of the game. Uh, And then the next play down, they give the ball to Marshawn Lloyd. And 13 seconds in, you know, you're up seven to nothing. Um, What was interesting about that game is that the score actually stayed seven nothing for a while, and you know, Kentucky actually ended up tying it. On the offensive end so it took a second for the offense to really get going but that second half offense uh is really when they started to uh pull away get the double digit lead um and then this game against Texas AM was quite the start I don't know if I've ever seen a start to a football game that they had because they had a kickoff return on the opening kickoff going for a hundred yards uh then they had a 59 yard interception return that set up a field goal then you had another fumble recovery that set up a touchdown and then you're up 17 nothing in the first quarter. Um, And so, but again, it was a situation where the offense didn't really get going until that second half. Uh, I think you would rather be a second half off. If you had to pick one half, it'd be better to have a second half offense, which is what they've had pretty much all season, even in the loss to Arkansas. They made that game close because of their second half offense. So, um, I think what's really helped them uh, recently is those explosive starts. And Shane Beamer always talks about um, winning in all three phases. And that's really not something you can ignore, especially since they use special teams as such a weapon. They have blocked five kicks this year. Um, of course, the kick return touchdown. Like they have just been making plays. They've had a few fakes uh, on field goals. So, you know, there's really. You really do have to consider all three phases when you play against South Carolina because their special teams is such a weapon. I think their defense has gotten a little bit better um, in recent weeks. Um, They have only given up 17 points in the last four games during this win streak. Um, And so, and then obviously the running game, which was a point of, uh, that was a struggle for them the first three games of the season. I think those non-conference games, um, even though they were games they were supposed to win on paper, I do think it gave a, the team, the confidence to be able to run the ball and also just help them simplify their scheme a little bit. So Marshawn Lloyd has really been on a tear, um, these last several games. I mean, he was, he had 92 yards last game. If he would have hit hundred, that would have been his third hundred yard game in four games. Um, but 92 is still very productive and he's, their most uh, productive offensive asset from a touchdown scoring perspective. Um, they do have weapons in the passing game um, that they can go to every once in a while. So I think really um, what's helped them in the last two games has been those hot starts. But I think in the totality of this win streak, I think they're really starting to put some things together. And, um, you know, that's kind of what has them in the top 25. And that That's what has them one win away um, from a bowl game.
0: Yeah. Hey, I want to go back to special teams for a second, because you're right. I mean, this, uh, they are having all kinds of success. You talked about the block punts and uh, mm-hmm. and the kickoff return against the Aggies. That of course is a, a hallmark of a Frank Beamer coach team when he was at Virginia Tech and, and Shane, mm-hmm. uh, you know, obviously, you know, Shane was influenced by that, but I, I want to mention too, you know, every, every major program has a special teams coach. South Carolina mm-hmm. has, a special teams coach, and he has an assistant that people in our neck of the woods are familiar with. His name is Stanton Weber. He's the assistant special teams coach. He was at Kansas State, um, played at K-State, and uh, Kansas State is also one of those programs that puts a big emphasis on special teams. So I just wanted to, you know, just for our, for our local audience, uh, identify Stanton Weber as a guy who is making a difference at South Carolina, and folks around here know him as the son of Stan Weber, who is the color analyst and former quarterback at Kansas State, so um, congrats to to uh, to the Webers there. All right. So what happens on what happens on Saturday when when Missouri comes? You know, Missouri's coming off a win too; its first SEC mm-hmm. victory. Over Vanderbilt, and that was a kind of a huge sigh of relief game for Missouri fans. Man, they after losing three in a row, playing Georgia really tough, and yeah, yeah. giving away the Auburn game, and playing Florida pretty well, because, but they had nothing to show for those uh, those uh, games. They finally get a win over Vanderbilt, and had to sweat it out at the end. um mm-hmm. I see where South Carolina's like a five and a half point favorite. That seems about right to me. What yeah. uh, it, are, are South Carolina fans expecting a, a, a big victory this weekend?
1: Uh, well, it's hard for me to speak to the South Carolina fan, but if I had to get yeah, in yeah. it, it would be, you know, it's, <laughs> you know, it's homecoming. They're on a big winning streak. Um, I do think that um, Miss, Missouri is not a team to be overlooked. Like you said, they played Georgia really close. This was number one, Georgia playing them really close. Um, of course, they've had some really close games. They had Auburn in overtime. They had a close one against Florida, uh, they finally got that first SEC win um, against Vanderbilt. Um, So this is a game in which South Carolina probably should win, but it's not necessarily a guarantee. And you also have to remember, Missouri has beaten South Carolina three years in a row. That includes last year with Shane Beamer at the helm, Missouri beating South Carolina. So um, I think as far from a matchup standpoint, Missouri is one of the better teams in the SEC when it comes to rush yards, uh, allowed per game on the defensive side of the ball, um, so I'm sure. Uh, obviously, the way South Carolina has been using Marshawn Boyd, excuse me, um, as of late, I, I think that's something to that certainly pay attention to. In um, Missouri, just as far as total defensive yards per game, like I said, they're one of the better teams um, in the SEC. But with that being said, I mean, South Carolina, their defense has certainly improved, and then who knows? Who knows what they'll get on special teams? Maybe they get something that sets them up for a field goal um, or something that sets them up for a touchdown or whatever the case may be. So um, if they can get one kind of play like that to position them like they have in the last several games, um, I think that's something to be interesting. Um, And then Spencer Rattler. Spencer Rattler has been very interesting this year to me. I think he's a player that is a little bit better than the numbers have indicated, um, just because he only has five passing touchdowns, but he's led several touchdown drives and he did have a couple of interceptions, Uh, this season that were a result of dropped passes. Um, But at the end of the day, you know, you still do want to see a little bit more accuracy from him um, from a play, just play by play uh, basis. Um, But I do think that this is a team that has found itself. uh, Talking about South Carolina, um, they are playing a Missouri team coming off of a much needed first SEC win. Um, But I think this is a South Carolina team. That has that looks like it's found itself, and you know, mm-hmm. as long as it takes care of business and uh, gets that sixth win of the season, um, you know, they should be able to, to come away with the with the win. Should
0: be a big crowd. So, you know, the mm-hmm. place is crazy. williams Bryce Stadium, it's a it's it's a nuts uh, place. Uh, you know, Luther Burden for for Missouri, the freshman wide receiver, really nice game against Vanderbilt. Got in the end zone twice really uh, a, a a player that needs to be unlocked even more for the Tigers. And you're absolutely right about the Missouri defense. Underrated, un- un- certainly underappreciated. They get uneven play on offense because their quarterback's inexperienced, Brady Cook, And uh, but this defense has been holding the fort all season for Missouri. They've got a linebacker, Teron Hopper, excellent player, excellent player, Florida transfer. Keep an eye on number eight for Missouri this weekend. All right, Jeremiah Holloway, part of the coverage team of the University of South Carolina game class for the state in Columbia, South Carolina. Jeremiah, really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks a lot.
1: Absolutely. It was a pleasure. Thank you.
0: Now let's shift to the Big 12. We catch up with Kellis Robinette, who covers Kansas State, and then we'll hear from KU beat writer Gary Bedour. Beat writer extraordinaire uh, covers Kansas state for the Kansas city star and Wichita Eagle catalyst. It's like every week we say it's a big game for the Wildcats because it is, it's a big game for the Wildcats this week. They're coming off the loss to to TCU and they have Oklahoma state in Manhattan on Saturday. I did not realize this until I read your tweet, or maybe I saw it in game coverage, but I know you wrote it um, that, the last four teams to play TCU have either had the quarterback injured or had something of a gimpy quarterback in the game. And listen, I, TCU having a great season. I, I think they're probably even, even a little underrated nationally at number seven in the AP poll. I wouldn't be surprised to see him in the top four when the first college football playoff poll comes out, but That's some pretty good luck for the Horned Frogs to to
2: be playing. They they are living a charmed life for sure. Now, TCU will counter all this with an excellent point of their own. They've been playing a backup quarterback all season. As good as Max Duggan has played, it is worth noting they wanted to go with Chandler Morris, not Max Duggan this season. But in an odd twist, that might have worked out for them. That might have been a happy little uh happenstance that they're starting their starting quarterback went down because duggan has been killing people um but yes it's been very interesting they play oklahoma dylan gabriel goes down no chance without him in the game they play at kansas jalen daniels goes down jason mean actually plays good but they don't have to play the the real star the rest of the way um they play oklahoma state and there's rumors flying that spencer sanders has a bum shoulder They shot him up before the game. He comes up, plays great in the first half. Shot wears off in the second half. He can't throw it anymore. That's why TCU comes back. You know, I don't know if that's true or not. That's been out there. That's what people say. Um, Nobody knew if Spencer Sanders was going to play against Texas. And then this last week, um, they get Kansas State, Adrian Martinez, last one drive. Will Howard goes down in the second half briefly. They're seeing Jake Jake Rubley for the first time in meaningful snaps. So, um, yes, I, I wouldn't say TCU was a fraud because of it. But I will say it's something to keep keep an eye on. Is that as good as they are? I think they're near uh, a near lock for the Big 12 Championship game. I think at this point they probably are the best team in the league, but they're maybe not quite as dominant as they look because of that injury line.
0: Let's just say they benefited from the circumstances. Yes.
2: <laughs>
0: well, let's look at that. They're t- they're by beating Kansas State, TCU is four um, and zero. K State and Oklahoma State come into their game this weekend at three and one. And then there's three teams with two losses: Texas, Baylor, and Tech. Um, listen, it's, it's obvious that the um, the the K State Oklahoma State loser is going to join that two loss group, and, um, and and there will be a you know a winner that looks like it's going to be in a pretty good position to um, to be in the Big Twelve championship game, but but. Even that, it's it's almost still too early, isn't it, to to project this? There's still, I think, six teams that could be in the Big 12 championship game. I think anybody with three losses at this point may be a little bit too much of a stretch, and that includes Oklahoma. But anybody with just two losses after four or five conference games, I think, still is part of this race.
2: I'm, I'm not a believer in tech. I don't think they can get back in it. Even with like, a new freshman quarterback, they, they really like yeah. him. They're just no good outside of Lubbock. They'll, they'll win and they'll win at their home stadium with the winds going and the people throwing tortillas, and then they'll go somewhere else and they'll lose. That's what they always do. But if, if they could rearrange the schedule where every game's at home, yeah, they could do it. Um, they're the one team I'm questioning about. I don't think they'll do it. Um, but yeah, Baylor, Texas, even though they got two losses, I think they're good enough. They can string things together here um in oklahoma state uh kansas state i wouldn't call this an elimination game for that number two seed but it's a very important game the winner of this one will have the tiebreaker they'll only have the one loss they'll have a leg up on everybody else um so it's it's a very important game i mean honestly this year they don't hand out a trophy for winning you know for having the best record at the end of the regular season it's almost more important about getting that two spot this this year because then you get in the big Joe championship game you can win the trophy that way and yeah it, it's wide open the uh the interesting thing about Kansas State here is that I, I think the next three games will decide whether they do it or not. they get Oklahoma State at home, Texas at home, at Baylor. And to add another wrinkle into just how challenging that is for Kansas State, since Chris Kleiman has been in Manhattan, uh, there are only three teams in the Big 12 he's never beaten. You want to take a guess at who they are? Let's see. Let's see if I can run them down here. Oklahoma State. Yes. Texas. Yes. Baylor. Yes, their next three opponents. So (laughs) 0-9 against those teams. So um, they're going to have to exercise some demons coming up if they're going to make it to Arlington.
0: All right, so what kind of shape are the Wildcats going to be in on on Saturday? Uh, I I know that it it really is – you're not going to get a lot of injury honesty, especially in the heat of a season like this. Um, But – what, what's your best speculation on, on who – because it's it's not just Adrian
2: Martinez. They've, been, they've got several players that are hurt. Right. And, I mean, honestly, against TCU, Adrian Martinez going down was the least of their worries because Will Howard came in and played really well. Um, it was him going down later that hurt more than anything. It was Daniel Green going down in the game at linebacker that let TCU get all these plays. It was Julius, Julius Brents pulling up lame with cramps um, on, on a long touchdown pass. They really hurt him. Uh, If, if those injuries don't happen, I think they win the game, but yeah, I've never gone into a Tuesday press conference with more questions about what's the status of this guy. What's the status of that person. Um, I will say, I think Adrian is going to be a true game time decision. Uh, I I think it's, he's dealing with the knee thing. He hurt him. He got hurt against Iowa state. He's been working his way back from it. I think he re aggravated the injury against TCU kind of a pain deal. he'll get some days off he'll try to practice later in the week if he can run and do things full speed and feel good um, on Saturday afternoon I think they play him if he can't I think they're confident enough in Will Howard that there it's not going to be like back in the day when when Colin Klein was going out there no matter how many injuries he had um, (laughs) I I think this will be you know a true game time decision if he can go he'll play if he can't he won't but I, I think they're being honest there they just don't quite know yet Will Howard fortunately is a go. The injury he has is to his left shoulder, not his throwing shoulder. So he should be able to be able to play unless something kooky happened in practice this week. Um, Flip to the other side of the ball. I think Daniel Green is probably out. Uh, He he got hurt in the midsection against TCU. I don't know exactly what the injury is. You'd speculate ribs, but I don't know. He spent the whole rest of the game icing that thing down. Didn't look anywhere close to playing. I, I would be very surprised if he plays. Uh, on the bright side, I think Julius Brentz, their top corner, will play, and I think Josh Hayes, uh, one of their best safeties, will play. Um, the only one I really don't know about is tight end Ben Sinat. Uh, he he would be questionable in my mind.
0: Okay, let's go back to quarterback for a second. Is is there what do Adrian Martinez and Will Howard do differently that you, you might have to just keep an eye on? What uh, what are um, where where could you know? Martinez has had such a good season and um, and, and, but but Will Howard has won games for the Wildcats as well and and like you said they uh, it wasn't so much uh, Martinez going down Will Howard came in and did a really great job at the end of the rest of the first half into the second half but um, to just break down the position and and what um, what are the differences between those two
2: no, no, like huge differences. They're not going to switch to a, you know, from a power eye to an air raid because one guy's in there versus the other. Um, but there are some subtle differences. I would say with Adrian, you have the ability to do a lot of zone read stuff, a lot of speed type runs where you get Deuce Vaughn going one way, Adrian running the other, and the defense doesn't know which way to, to tackle. Um, that's been one of their biggest plays this season. And the other thing is like that play they had against Oklahoma earlier this year where they call four verticals. If somebody's open, we throw it. If not, Adrian, you're just taking off running um, and gaining a bunch of yards. You can't really do that with, with Will Howard. He's just not quite as fast. Um, But the thing that Will Howard does do well is he runs with power. So you can get him in some shorter yard situations um, and uh, use QB power use QB sneaks. Um, I thought that that thought that was interesting against TCU and other games They've kind of struggled on those third and short, fourth and short with Howard in there. It was just let's just sneak it, get the yardage. They did it. And honestly, um, I think throwing the ball, I think Howard might be even a smidge better than Martinez. I think he saw that against TCU. He put the ball where where his guys could go make a play. They did it. He ends up with 225 yards and two touchdowns. Um, but, but like I said, the reason it, it hurt T, it hurt Kansas State against TC that he went down is because in the second half, they put Rubly, Jake Rubley, the third-string guy, in for two possessions. He does nothing, turns it over once, punts another time. And then even when Will Howard got in there, you could tell he was off because late in the game, he miss, missed through on a touchdown that uh, easily he easily could have had. I believe it was Dekay Warner. Um, but if he's healthy enough to make that throw in this game, then – you know, it, it's a little bit of a wash. But, th- but that's the main thing I would say. One guy's a little bit quicker runner. One guy's more of a powerful runner. Gotcha. Okay. And a little bit of a kicking competition this week? Yeah, I was honestly surprised to hear this. Um, uh, Kansas State coach Chris Kleiman has been um, a, a big supporter of Chris Tennant, their kicker all season, even though he's had some struggles. Um, he's been adamant. You know, he's, he's just basically like a, a golfer out there. He, he missed a four-foot putt. It happens. We're still confident in him. Well, the four-foot misses are starting to build up here. He missed two against TCU. Um, He's got five misses on the season. And for a school that calls themselves special teams U, you just got to make more than that. And by no means are they saying that he's not going to kick this week. Um, They're going to give him a chance to, you know, defend his spot and remain the starter. But they've got some other good kickers on the team. And he said this week they're going to give Ty Zentner, who is their punter and kickoff specialist, they're going to give him a look. He might uh, fill this kind of same role that Cameron Dicker has had in Texas the last couple of years where he goes out and does everything, whether you need a punt, kick, kick kickoff, onside kick. Ty Zentner is your guy. Um, I think he's up for that. He's got a long leg. He told me that uh, the other day he can kick it as far as 80 yards. Wouldn't guarantee he could make a field goal from that distance, but he could kick it 80 yards, uh, uh, something fun to think about. And they also have a a freshman that they're high on, late and simmering. Um, I, I don't know if they'll make the change or not. Chris Tennant does have a very powerful leg. He's probably the biggest, uh, the strongest kicker on the team. Um, but from short distances, he's always been kind of a little iffy. So I think if they get in a spot where they score a touchdown early, they might they might let one of the other guys handle a PAT. And yeah, we, we might see a new kicker out there. An interesting thing to keep an eye on.
0: All right, uh, we'll be staying uh, attuned to that on Saturday when the Wildcats meet Oklahoma State. Kellis, great stuff as always. Thanks a lot. Anytime Go to KansasCity.com and drop down to the bottom of the page where it says start a subscription for more information. Your support has never been more important. As always, thanks for reading and listening. Gary Bedore covers Kansas. And Gary, um, no game for the Jayhawks this week. A chance maybe to heal up. That seems to be uh, an important (laughs) yeah for Kansas going forward they got a lot of injuries
3: yeah they're really banged up I think uh, they don't talk about injuries so you have to just guess or look here and there but Lightpole did say I asked him this week if um in his entire career how this year stacks up with injuries is it way worse is it normal and he said uh it is worse in the skill positions. Mm. And he said the positions that the media likes to ask about. So apparently he hasn't had, you know, as many quarterback running back type injuries receivers. So, uh, you know, losing his starting quarterback, Daniels, they haven't won a game since he's been out, but uh the schedule's been tough, but he would be the guy that obviously a coach would want to get back, um, starting quarterback. And we don't really know. I know he warmed up before the last game a little bit, so uh, they've ne- I, I think they did identify the area as a shoulder. Finally, I believe so, a throwing shoulder. A guy who likes to run like Daniels, he's going to have to be 100% before they put him back in there because you don't want to have a guy have that shoulder whack out of place if that's what happened or, you know, so we'll see. But what you said is true. They they desperately needed a buy. They probably needed one a couple weeks ago in a perfect world for them. But uh, they got one finally. But they're doing a lot of work this week. So Leipold must really be smelling a bowl game because when he outlined the schedule, they practice three days in the middle of a bye week. And then they basically get the weekend off till Sunday, which is a nice little break, but they're, they're practicing and they met on Sunday or uh, they did something on Sunday. So uh, they are resting though. He said the key, Players that have gotten all the reps may, might get less this week. So the bye week has come <laughs> right when they need—they desperately need it.
0: Yeah. So they're they're five and three, one win away from bowl eligibility, and won their first five. Have lost three in a row. Of course, the the first of those losses was the was the TCU game in which Jalen Daniels was injured, and it's been Jason Bean since then and. Look, he's he's been a, you know, he's been a starting quarterback previously for KU when he was so good in the second half against TCU, but there's a difference. Isn't there Gary between Daniels and and, and Jason Bean? There's just just some things that Jalen Daniels can do that um that a Kansas quarterback had we haven't seen him do in in a few years.
3: Yeah, Bean is he's also pretty good. I mean, he's Yeah, yeah. a lot of a lot of teams would like would kill to have a guy who he threw for four touchdowns TCU game. Then he did it again against OU. Um, But the deal is from what I can see is that Bean will, will make the mistake. Um, Not always, but Daniels was almost perfect in turnovers and stuff. They weren't having any beans had a few interceptions and, A couple plays that just haven't been as crisp, Uh, but he's, he's been good and, uh, but a step down, I think maybe from Daniels, but it could be a lot worse. You know, um, he's a good backup and he's really fast. He hasn't been running quite as much or hasn't been effectively running quite as much, but good backup. Is Daniels better? Yeah, I believe so, for sure. But uh, for a backup, Bean's been okay.
0: No, it's a good point. And I, I certainly didn't mean to run down Bean. Kansas is lucky to have a quarterback in that position. And, and you said it earlier, and you're right, the schedule has gotten tougher for Kansas in the Big 12 and in the games that uh, uh, that Jason Bean has been the quarterback. But the other players on this list right now, Daniel Hyshaw and Kai Thomas, the running backs, both out. Um, uh, Kobe Bryant, the the defensive yeah. back. Luke Grimm, the wide receiver. And Lonnie Phelps, who's had a yeah. really nice season at defensive end. It's a, it's a long list of key players that, uh, that are on the list for – for KU, hey, there was something I I heard Leipold say earlier this week that I really liked, and I wanted to get your thought on it. It was that you know, um, they, last year this is the difference between the perception and not just perception, but just the record. Yeah. Of Kansas this year, that last year they lose a 12 point game to Oklahoma, and you know and everybody's patting them on the back, right? And this yeah. year they lose a 12 point game to Baylor, and, and and people are you know they're frustrated with you know, with, with yeah. the outcome. I actually thought Kansas, they made mistakes and got down early in that game against last week's game against Baylor, but really battled hard in the second half and turned yeah. it into a one possession game in the fourth quarter. So that's kind of where Kansas is. They, they would, um, uh, you know, losing anywhere right now in this balanced big 12, because seen as a little bit of a disappointment, at least until they get that, that sixth win for bowl eligibility.
3: Yes. And, uh, The Baylor game, they cut that 25-point deficit to five, like you said, and there were still six minutes left. And I was fully prepared that this was going to be a huge victory because Bean, at that point, was at the top of his game. And uh, to Baylor's credit, they put together a drive to basically end the game. But if Baylor would have had a punt, <laughs> yeah. after K cut it to 5 and KU would have won that game it would have been the third greatest comeback in KU history and KU bat, or football would have went from expectations calming down a bit to they would have been back on top of the world coming back from 25 down against Baylor to win all of a sudden they'd have been back in the conference discussion and uh they'd have been ranked again and oklahoma state is kind of beat up and oklahoma state their next opponent has to play k-state and all this stuff so they were a breath away from returning to football mania <laughs> if they would have beat baylor but they didn't baylor what a great drive to put that thing away
0: right right Okay, you mentioned Oklahoma State's the next opponent. That's uh, the following week in Lawrence, right? Doesn't Oklahoma State come yeah. to the KU? So, yeah, a week from Saturday in Lawrence. Gary Bedore, always great catching up with you. We will do it again soon.
3: Thank you. See you later.
0: That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC production staff of Monty Davis, George Howard, Randy Mason, and Jeff Rosen. Tip of the gap to our guests, Jeremiah Holloway, Calvis Robinette, and Gary Bedore for sharing their insights. Today's morning sports edition was 52 pages full of college football, the Chiefs, the Royals, soccer, golf, tennis, auto racing, everything in sports. Go to liveedition.kansascity.com for more information. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sports Beat KC.